The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Today is September 13th. That's right. It's not Friday. It is hump day. And today is day of the programmer for all you computer junkies out there. It's also National Bald is Beautiful Day, National Celiac Disease Awareness Day, National Peanut Day. Oh, Gretchen's favorite. It's Uncle Sam Day. And Positive Thinking Day, because you definitely need some positive thinking if you have to deal with Uncle Sam. And, oh man, it's also National Kids Take Over the Kitchen Day. So make sure you're teaching your kids how to cook, because otherwise they will be domestically challenged. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and, uh, you know, audio only on some other spaces once we get this coding thing figured out. But nonetheless, we're going to kick it off with, that's right, the feisty redhead who is thugging it out on the West Coast right now. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies, and she's also, you know, she's like Luke on his fresh out. Well, Gretchen is fresh out of bed. That's right. It is none other than the redheaded princess herself, Gretchen Gailey. All right. First off, I was supposed to have a 7 a.m. call this morning. Oh, you missed that? You slept through that? No, no, no. I woke up for that. And then I saw it was canceled. And then I was like, ah, all right, I'm going back to sleep. And then mm-hmm. next thing I knew, it was 8.53. And I was like, son of a. Mm-hmm. But anyway, good times. I'm here. I'm awake. Hair why, not brushed. Why is chemo in your background? I can't either. Nothing. Why is chemo in your background? Shut up. <laughs> all right. My headline, Senate committee chair plans marijuana banking vote announcement in the next few days, but outlying issues remain. Senate Banking Committee Chair Shara Brown hopes to announce the scheduling of a marijuana banking bill vote in his panel in the next few days, with plans to hold the markup during the current work session that ends October 6th. But he also acknowledged that there are still some outlying issues that need to be resolved among members. While a committee spokesperson told Marijuana Moment on Monday that the vote would not be taking place next week, as some cannabis industry observers have speculated, 
Brown says the actual markup date could be scheduled imminently as senators move towards the finish line in negotiations. We need to make sure we have enough votes, and I mean there are still some differences, still some members that still have. I'm not going to publicly talk about negotiating and what people are asking for or not. There are still some outlying issues, minor ones, but we hope to get some people on board and get a strong vote. Yada, yada, yada. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. At this point, the Safe Banking Act has 42 co-sponsors, nearly half of the Senate. That includes eight Republicans and three independents. As a standalone in its current form, insiders say the measure has enough Republican buy-in to reach the 60-vote threshold needed for passage in the Senate. Brown and Dane spurred over next steps for the bill in the lead-up to the August recess. Brown has insisted that Dane needs to secure more GOP co-sponsors. But Dane argued that Republicans are prepped to move the legislation as previously agreed through the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, mm -hmm. stuff, stuff. That's just Washington <laughs> bullshit. Um, my take on outlying issues is these jagoffs don't want to put through a Senate banking bill when they look like they are uh, trying to shut down the government. So if we get through the government shutdown without trouble, which I do believe they will come to an agreement on another CR and keep the government working, then you'll get your safe banking vote. That's what I think. Outlying issues, my ass. That's bullshit. I thought the outlying issue was that they wanted uh, nine Republican co-sponsors and they only have eight. They did at one point want nine, which would get them past possible filibuster, make it filibuster proof. But, you know, we've already said multiple times to good old Chucky e. Schumer, we got the votes, we got the support, we're not going to filibuster this bullshit. You need to bring your table to the fucking, your people to the table and vote for the thing. It's Chuck Schumer doesn't have the Dems. Shocker, Dems suck, don't want to pass safe banking. That's why you should vote red in this next election. Vote red, vote for me. <laughs> That'd be a good tagline for you, Gretchen. Uh, Jay, I personally don't believe anything that has to do with anything about safe banking. Dale, 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 you remember this. Like when we were doing time in prison, there was always this circulating rumor that we were going to end up getting 65%. And everybody was like, 65% coming this year. 65% coming this year. And guess what? It never came. So, you know, uh, I really hope state banking passes. Um, I want it to have some criminal justice provisions. Doesn't look like it's going to be able to do that. That's really shameful. Uh, I still want it to pass. Um, I just don't believe anything the politicians say regarding it well i mean i i i have to say that i have happened to agree with gretchen on this is that uh if we're able to to maneuver um and get a continuing resolution passed as far as the budget and avoid a government shutdown then everything is queued up for safe banking uh the thing is is i'm not super super confident in in Kevin McCarthy's ability to round everybody up, both Democrats and Republicans, in regards to secure a continuing You're resolution. On crack. crack. Just saying, I if don't see it. If this passes the Senate, it's already been voted on the House. So why do you even care what Kevin McCarthy can do? I'm talking about in regards to whether or not there's going to be a government shutdown. I'm saying oh, I don't. I don't think he's going to be able. There ain't going to be a shutdown. You heard it here first. Okay. Been through shutdown. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Miss Little Miss Washington Insider, who's happened to be on the West Coast, missing out on all that little swampiness. Oh. 
Oh, please. No. No. I think a lot be. of that, like, shutdown, the shutdown rhetoric is just a lot of political posturing and theater. It is. And they do it, they do it, they threaten, they threaten. Uh, you might even get sometimes, like what we had in 18, a few days where they actually shut it down and then they figure stuff out. Um, I'm not really worried about that. This, this is my issue with, with safe banking. They say, oh, we have these minor issues, but... Then they say one of the minor issues is we don't have enough people to come on board. So to me, that 10 threshold, like they keep like circulating, oh, we have eight, we have seven, we have some independents, yada, yada. That 10 threshold, I think is gonna be very difficult to get from the right, unless there's some concessions. Not necessary, You don't need 60 votes. You need 51. Republicans have said they are not gonna filibuster. We're not going, we're ready to pass it. We're ready to do it because Chuck, you can't. We're, there, you got Republicans on board. Having eight Republicans on board, number one of a cannabis bill is a huge win for this industry. To eight people publicly on the Senate side willing to do this. And trust me, there are many others out there who won't put their name on it, but they ain't gonna stop it. They don't like Sherrod Brown. They don't like Chuck Schumer. So they want to ram this down their throat that the Republicans can get cannabis through, not them. They want to. They're gonna yeah, pass. They, mean, they want to ram it down I, their I throat, huh, saying, Gretchen? I think the whole the the end result is Biden's name gets signed onto the bottom of this. I think they don't want that bad enough to where they will pull pull back on their vote. That's my that's my that's my uh, take on it. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope that this gets passed. And we can get well, some progress going, but and not that you're wrong, but there is also more impetus behind doing things with the whole schedule three announcement. That is kind of lit a fire under these guys of shit, F you, the other agencies are gonna do it and they don't want to get left behind. And so they're like, All right, we can pass cannabis stuff to you. I think the DEA is gonna come down and slap them back into reality. What? I think the DEA is gonna come back and slap them all back into reality. Well, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I was just going to say that the, the Schedule three, 3 thing, let's remember that this is just a recommendation to the DEA. Mm -hmm. The DEA actually disregarded their own judge's recommendation back in the day. I believe it was Judge Francis. Maybe Dale mm -hmm. can touch in on that. Yeah, Francis Young. Yes, Francis Young. And he, he, he was very eloquent in what he said. He said, if the DEA keeps this as a Schedule 1, it's arbitrary and capricious and implored them to drop it at, to to reschedule they disregarded their own judge so for them to like say hey javier becerra we're going to listen to you now again super skeptical i hope i'm wrong again but man listen there's not a lot of hope there i i i i actually hope that the dea does come and and slap them back in a thing and tell them no we're not gonna we're not gonna reschedule this because i don't believe that it's a fair trade-off uh to move it to schedule three give it to big pharma and then get 280e relief when you do not there's not even any guarantees that any of these businesses are going to be able to continue operating. Yeah. You do not think that way whatsoever. What's that? You're 100% wrong, but go ahead. I don't care if go I'm ahead. wrong or right, it doesn't matter. I'm just telling you what I'm willing to trade. And to me this is like a like a Britney G trade-off. I think ultimately the Congress has to move cannabis or marijuana out of the exactly. controlled substance act altogether and put it someplace else otherwise these bureaucrats they have too much invested in their own fucking bureaucracies 
and ultimately the DEA are cops, and it's like talking to the California Narcotics Association. They are just never gonna mm-hmm. walk away from this. Yep. So I'm I need I think that this needs to go through Congress and have them move it out, put it into like ATF, so it gets handled like alcohol and tobacco. Yep. ATF and TTB. I'm playing these damn games. Yep. Aren't aren't the, aren't the DEA and and Health and Human Services both part of the executive branch of government? So at some point. You know, Biden's on top of this organization. Can he get these two people to harmonize? The DEA, yeah, the, the DEA, the DEA is but not part of the executive branch. Work, if the DEA comes back and says Schedule One, Biden's like, "Up, oh, I was right all along. War on drugs, yay!" Biden doesn't yeah. care if it yeah. is or not. And he's he's just doing it to to pander to to voters. He right doesn't now. remember he doesn't his own name. His... The man is not no. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, Doctor Mark, <laughs> you, you are correct that Biden does oversee both agencies technically. But Biden could have changed this by himself long ago. He didn't need any of these agencies to tell him to. I understand no. a lot of times they need no. political cover. To That's do not true. Things like that. But That's not true. The know, president Biden had his, his opportunities. The president cannot deschedule cannabis on his own. That is not true. That's a falsehood. Oh, oh he definitely could with no, an executive cannot. order. He cannot. Now, you, cannot. you cannot do. You cannot. No. No, I'm sorry, no, bro. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot legalize cannabis and deschedule cannabis with an executive order by the president. That's not a reality. There's international there. treaties and there's other things involved that. Well, there was there was a reason. We've never we've never had a priority for treaties in the past. We can break treaties to today, even the president. Okay, well, Trust great. If it was an executive Biden order, why didn't Obama take care of this years ago? Why didn't anybody else step up years ago? It's not as easy as you think, Luke. It's well, yeah. That's it, not, not reality easy because it's it's not popular. In the hill, cannabis is just coming to the place where we can actually even have open conversations and committee meetings. So, for to ask like somebody like Biden, who was a member of this mass incarceration movement from the very beginning, sponsored the the bills that went into effect, mm-hmm. for him to be able to say like, "Look, I'm going to have this change of heart." That's not Biden. Biden's not doing it because well, Biden is politically. Funny. Not not able to. Let's put Biden's it like issue doesn't has nothing to do with his background as a prosecutor or the war on drugs. It all has to do with his son. It has to do with Hunter Biden and his issue with yeah. drugs. And it doesn't matter if cannabis is the drug or not. That generation, when you have a child addicted to drugs, they're all bad. That's Biden's problem with it. That's why he's willing to go the research side, the schedule three side, the medicine side. That's as far as he's willing to go. Well, and I don't think this, the court would allow an executive order to do this. We had a case recently about the EPA and how much Congress granted the executive authority. Um, and the court said, no, you got to go back to Congress to get that kind of executive authority. So I don't think he would get through the courts very far either. Yep, exactly. Can't do and, it. And and I, I, I absolutely agree with what you guys are saying. Um, however, the executive authority... Um, abilities have been so drastically expanded over the last few years that uh, perhaps it would get tied up in court. Perhaps it would go to some judges that are favorable to the executive branch. Listen, these things are very touchy. The executive powers over the last, I would say, 30 years have been expanded to to, to a sense that have been really created the president to do whatever they want to. Now that, like I said, that doesn't mean that the next president can't change it or that the courts can't shoot it down 
However, if President Biden did want to deschedule with the stroke of a pen, he could do it. It could be under challenge, but it would be in effect until otherwise. No, no, until he cannot. He cannot do that. He cannot do that. He cannot do that. That's not true. That's not reality. It's not. It's, it's just no, not. We've seen a lot of really extreme executive orders come down over the course of the last few decades. Somebody would file a, a suit for declaratory relief and you'd be in the courts and then there would be a stay issued. I mean, right now, the pendulum is swung back away from executive power in our court, especially the Supreme Court. They would step on this. And I mean, we can have all sorts of intellectual arguments. I just don't think it's going to go very far. And I hope you're right, Gretchen, that these D is an artist and get their head out of their ass and figure out how to get something done here. But, you know, I remain you know, not not that optimistic about it. Hopefully optimistic. And on, on that, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Really shake some shit up. <laughs> yes. It How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh yeah, and we're back, you guys. I got I got a fun little story for you. Thank you for that, Gretchen. We but uh we, we basically have seven stories today for you, Gretchen. So I'm just giving you the heads up in advance. Well then you better start moving a lot faster. I'm, I, I'm a fast runner girl. Don't even worry about me. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh man, here we go. Here we go. I hope you guys are ready because it is officially official. New York will open the adult use marijuana retails to MSOs. Every single um, activist's nightmare, basically. That means that the multi-state operators who years ago snapped up a majority of the state's 10 registered organization, 10 uh, registered organization permits will enter what observes observers say could be the largest market on the East Coast. Under the resolutions of the Office of Cannabis Management approved on Tuesday, regulators will accept applications seeking a retail or micro-business license from October 4th through December 23rd. Regulators will also accept applications from registered organizations during a still unspecified window to be set by the office. That action was approved in a separate resolution. In a quote, today marks a pivotal step forward, expanding and sustaining the state's medical program and creation of an economically viable and equitable adult use cannabis industry in New York. Barry Carmody, a spokesperson for the New York Medical Cannabis Industry Association, said after a cannabis control board meeting in Albany, the NYMCIA represents eight of the existing MMJ licenses, including major MSOs such as New York-based Acreage Holdings and Columbia Care Chicago headquartered Cresco Labs and Green Thumb Industries and Massachusetts-based Cureleaf Holdings. The vote finalizing MA proposal by the OCM it means that litigation aimed at opening at opening license licensing to all applicants might be mute. The lawsuit was brought by some of those MSOs which sued the state in March under the name a coalition for access to safe and regulated cannabis and the state social equity applicants and licensees are feeling abandoned and betrayed, which they should be. Many of them are still waiting to open their doors after bureaucratic delays and separate litigation encumberments. The state's am, uh, ambitious 
conditional adult use retail dispensary, better known as the CURD program, or some of them call it the CARD program. Not sure how you get a U in CARD, but nonetheless. The vote came a week after the CEOs for multi-state operators implored New York Governor Kathy Hochul to allow them to enter the state's adult use market without delay. And there's a lot of small businesses that are unhappily. They're saying, we relied on you. Jeanette Miller, a Buffalo area cannabis farmer, told the OCM board and staff at impassioned meeting reminding them of the promises that New York would allow small businesses first to crack at the adult use market. The OCM did not immediately respond to MJ Biz Daily request for comment and in a quote, today's cannabis control board meeting opened the door for big cannabis to come in and compete with New York based businesses. The Cannabis Association of New York, CANY, which represents small and state, uh, state-based businesses, said in a statement, to help level the playing field, the CANY made three demands of New York regulators. One, reform the state's potency tax that charges a higher rates for concentrates. Two, impose identical canopy limits on registered organizations and small businesses. And three, crack down on the illicit market in the state. Estimate, estimates vary, but officials have said there are as many as 2,000 unlicensed sellers in New York City alone. New York legalized adult use cannabis back in March of 2021, but so far adult use licenses have been very, very rocky and uh, only available to impacted individuals of the war on drugs and certain nonprofits to whom the state also promised 50% of all licenses. Although hundreds of curd uh, permits have been awarded, only 23 of those licenses are open for business, five of which are delivery only. And that means curd applicants are burning through savings on real estate that isn't generating revenue, while small farmers who lack promised access to licensed retail are watching their harvest crops go stale. (coughs) Excuse me. And that's why you have so much bunk weed in New York, just for starters. But nonetheless, this thing goes on and on. And you can read the full story over on our website over at www.highand9news.com. But tell me, what do you guys think? I think these MSOs are going to eat everybody's lunch, and I think the MSOs are actually going to have the best weed in New York strictly because they're the only vertically integrated operators, and they don't have to sell all the bunk weed from all these hemp farmers. And what do you guys think? This is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News. I don't know how they expect a small business person to succeed in this industry. I I mean, it was like out here on the West Coast, and they said, we're not going to let anybody have a farm over an acre. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll let you stack them as many as you want. They they fucking lie straight to your face. And I have so many clients who are dying on the vine because they can't keep paying these uh, underlying business costs without revenue. So, yeah, they're going to jump in because they've got the available cash to ride this stuff out get a crop up, ready, go, hang on till we can get a retail store open, and then we can make money. The average person can't do that. So mm-hmm. it's a reality of the time in this industry. Very, very true, Dale. Very, very, very true. I think I think I think all of these social equity applicants are just going to end up getting washed down the river because I don't think that they're going to have the type of capital in place to be able to withstand uh, these these MSOs once they are entering their market. Not to mention, you, you, they're still not going to be doing anything about the trap market that is is taking a lot of the air out of the room too. Yeah, I was just going to ask. How can about they? That. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the biggest New York is full of scofflaws. Every major city is full of scofflaws. If I want weed. Why would I go pay all this bullshit price and taxes and get better weed in the street? Exactly. That's the problem they face. It's very true, Dale. It's very true. I tell people all the time. 
same same exact thing. You know, I I totally agree. Oh yeah, you you being hush hush on this one. <laughs> Mark, you have any uh, thoughts on this? Mark? What's I'm that, Gretchen? I think I think New York is trying to do anything they can to get places open, trying to get legal shops open, and so that's why they have come along. And they're also well, trying to. That's why they're also trying to deal with the MSOs to avoid another lawsuit. These stores were already open, are, Gretchen. Hey, hold on, Jason Beck. Let me speak. For those who are paying attention to what's going on in New York, mm -hmm. they also let go the chief of staff of the OCM yesterday. Um, I mean, he's going to be the scapegoat. He's. They're going to say he screwed this up. Now we're getting it fixed. In a, we'll see how New York does. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get this stuff moving. Um and I think you're going to see a massive crackdown on the illicit market. Is what you're going to see happening with 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 what army, Gretchen? What army are they going to are they going to employ to do police. this? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, keep okay. dreaming on that. There's not enough I, cops in New York to do that. Gretchen isn't right 500 percent of the time, but all right. There is there's some people yeah. in some of those like county jails up there in Hudson and in uh, what is it? <laughs> Escawa County and Sakakis and all those like they are busting at the seams those those jails so they're gonna have to find pl places to put people if they do plan on arresting but I want to touch on that I, Jay was it an advocate calling for a crackdown on the illegal market it was it was the head of the organization that represents all of the small licensed businesses that was calling for the crackdown okay so this is my thing right is like when we have our own calling for the capture and incarceration of our own right oh uh, first of all he didn't he, did, he didn't he didn't call for he didn't call for the capture of an incarceration he called for just a crackdown on illicit operators and, and, and luke don't get me wrong when i say crackdown by authorities i'm not saying suggesting they're gonna throw ten thousand operators into uh into jail no. It's going to be financial. It's going to be closing doors. It's going to be you have no chance in hell of ever getting a license. So this is if you're familiar with law enforcement, this is their tactic on situations like that. They don't go and round up ten thousand people. They go and get like three or four. Yep. And then they make a real. Then they try to make an example. Exactly. And even if three or four people go to jail or have any kind of law enforcement or collateral collateral offenses that collateral consequences that come along with this, right? I think it's just the wrong mindset to have. Like, how about let's advocate for making the legal market more enticing to bring over everybody from the traditional market who wants to come over and not break the law and, and, and be threatened to have those law enforcement repercussions happen. Um, I think yeah, that's please, a better please. angle to advocate than to say, hey, crack down on those dudes who are selling you know, bags down the street from me and make and get them out of here. You know, how about let's just like, let's make it more enticing for them to come over into the legal market because a lot of these people in the traditional market, they want to be legal. They just can't survive in the legal market. Well, but what do you say to all these folks, all these card applicants who did what they were Curd. supposed to do, who are going broke, who, you know, followed the oh. pathway that they were supposed to? You're going to tell all them, oh, off it's fine we're gonna just grandfather in all these illegal shops that's what you're gonna tell them that's no, what they no, need no. to I'm do i'm not saying anything about a uh, grandfathering in that's a whole nother prog pro process with a whole nother uh discussion but the, those people are you're not gonna have to worry about them they're gonna get gobbled up by the mso's the mso's coming into you this market is gonna stabilize this market up? it's gonna stabilize this market but what's gonna end up happening is the mso's are gonna dominate that market the, yep so it 
I have mixed feelings on it. Like I want to see the New York market stabilized. Do I want to see it like stabilized by Cureleaf and Columbia Care and all these huge companies um, that will just have kind of like factory weed? I mean, I don't think that's beneficial for the New York consumer. But the but factory weed is better. But so. Luke, Luke, that factory weed is going to be better than the weed that they're selling that that's already a year and a half old that they're selling 100%. currently in the New York dispensaries. Yes, 100 percent. Well, and I disagree, frankly, that allowing half a dozen MSOs to open their doors is going to curb the market on New York. I mean, New York's kind of their market's well, illicit. Can I tell you the funniest part, I think, Maybe. about all this, Gretchen? The funniest yes. part about all this is New York is saying we have such a desperate need to open up dispensaries. And mm -hmm. all that they are actually doing in this is just allowing for the commerce of adult use sales in spaces where, where these actions are already happening, in essence. Like, there's already selling weed out of these businesses. So in essence, yeah. they're going to claim that there's these new doors that are opening. But the reality is, is there is no new doors opening. There's just more commerce happening within some of the doors that are already opened. Well, and also, I don't know that history has proven to us that MSOs stabilize the industry. They definitely do not. Put that out there. No, no, that, 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 that part is, I think that's a fair, fair point as well, Mandy. Very this true. is all New York's tired of getting sued. All right, if we can get rid of one lawsuit, fine. Let them open. 100% mm -hmm. because of that reason. I totally agree with you on that, Gretchen. This is nothing but trying to please really loud you know, politicians that are just tired of getting annoyed by their local constituents for something not being fair and mm -hmm. not being fast enough. That's what this really comes down to. Yep. I would be interested in looking at that medical marijuana associations um, expenditures on where where that where their money is. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, that's a whole nother it's a whole nother can of worms right there, Luke. We gotta we 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 gotta keep we gotta keep this thing rolling. We're gonna roll. Yeah, we're gonna roll right into the everyone's favorite foul mouth attorney. That's right, Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's the one that'll teach you how to piss up a rope if you're trying to piss down. He's also a former felon. And a lawyer. That's right. He's the founder of Armada Law and is our very own Mr. Dale Schaefer. Yes, yes, yes. Good morning, everybody. Or for those, Gretchen, you're out here. Good morning. Girlfriend. Morning. Coffee and you yet? No, not enough. We need an IV and you, girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> I, my story this morning comes out of Law 360. The headline is California sues cannabis companies over illegal inhalable hemp. Now, I'm going to give a shout out to my to my friend Omar Figueroa, who started this out here in California. We have a couple of laws that um, the industry's had some difficulty with. One of them is called Prop 65. And they uh, the state has told us that Delta 9 THC is a carcinogen and beta myrcenes, a teratogen. And, you know, they're on a list out here. And you got to put a warning on your your cannabis products. OK, and. Also, we passed a hemp law uh, two years ago, and they outlawed, outlawed inhalable hemp products until such time as the legislature came up with a, a way to tax it. So selling inhalable hemp products in California is illegal currently. So um, Omar, it looks like Omar went out and bought a, a couple of products online, had them sent to California, which gave California jurisdiction over this whole thing. And they weren't didn't have a warning on them, and they were inhalable products, which was illegal. Omar's uh, warned them, and the state attorney general stepped in and took over. 
Now uh, he's filed a suit under um, our Fair Employment, our Fair Business Practices Act, which, set, which stands for the proposition: you can't sell things illegally. Uh, other businesses have a right to come in and stop you, and you have to give these warnings, or it's an unfair business practice. So what the attorney general did, he sued nine companies. Only one of them is a California company. Eight of them are out-of-state companies. They were all selling online and having products sent to um, cities in the state of California or, in, or residents of California. So what the attorney general has done is he's filed an action for um, injunction to make them stop for damages. And the damages on this could be quite substantial because they're a minimum of $1,000 per violation per day. It could be as high as 2,500 bucks. So uh, if you go out and do discovery on these companies and get a hold of their records of how much have they sent in the state of California um, and bend over, grab your ankles, this could be a high, high fine they're gonna impose upon them. The other thing I, I, I noticed, and this may be inside the, the a baseball for uh, attorneys, but they're required to file a verified answer. That gets kind of tricky because in most cases, if you go file a, a complaint in court, it's a bunch of allegations and I get to file a, we call a general denial, say I deny them all and let's go forward. But in this case, the attorney general has filed a complaint as a government entity. You have to file a verified answer, which means you got to declare under penalty of perjury the answers you're giving are true. And if you don't know, you've got to say that I'm informed and believe it's true. Now that boxes these guys in of course, you can claim the Fifth Amendment, which just makes this whole thing worse. So what we're going to see here, if we just talked a moment ago about enforcement, this is a way that the, um, the states, the state attorney generals and local prosecutors can go after businesses in the cannabis space and make their life miserable without putting a single person in jail. So that's my story for today. We'll watch this as it unfolds. I'll throw it back out to you. What do you all got to say? Man, I want to hear what Dr. Mark has to say about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess my story is related, hey, Jason? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I think, um, I think it goes to show that um, they weren't thinking too hard and didn't contemplate the implications of the 2018 Farm Bill. I think clearly they didn't think this through. I believe they got snookered on fiber seeds and rope and paper and forgot that CBD can be chemically converted into psychoactive products. Uh, do people, I mean, I've seen this in, in non-legal states where they're actually selling hemp flour in jars that looks like cannabis when you go into a dispensary. This was sort of my, what I was thinking during the discussion around the New York market is that they've blurred the lines between the bodega, the smoke shop, the vape shop, and the dispensary, especially in New York. But I remember, I think I was in St. Louis several years ago. I remember because I was rushing to get to the barbecue in time. Um, and I needed to get a torch because I was flying with a rig, but I didn't have a torch. So I went to a local smoke shop that wasn't allowed to sell cannabis, but they certainly had just a huge display of smokable hemp flour. 
So it looked a lot like cannabis. They were the tops of buds, you know, very nicely manicured and certainly had great jar appeal and had good nose and good terps on them. And, you know, to the uneducated individual who maybe doesn't realize what cannabis does to them, they'd smoke that and think that they're smoking weed. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a shit show that I don't think they contemplated fully when they legalized industrial hemp. You know, to, to your. Well, and oh, go ahead, Dale. The problem, Mark, is that when um, the definition of hemp came out, it was after Meshulam was able to isolate THC and they came up with a number. But before that, hemp was like, smoke it. If it doesn't get you high, then it ain't marijuana. Because okay? I've had that experience before. And when, when they throw that line in the sand, now they got the problem with seeds. Because you get a seed, the seed doesn't have more than 0.3% THC. But if it's from a marijuana plant or cannabis plant with high THC, now, what is it? And I've had this, this problem just recently with a client of mine who got seeds that were legal to buy, but they tried to put them into the, the closed cannabis system and it blew up in their face. We do not have an answer here. And every time they take a step without a definition, asshole lawyers will go out and find every crack they can find. And I'm one of them, so I, I'm following my sword about this. Our jobs look for every crack we can find to support our clients. And that's what we're having. It's a free-for-all right now. Nobody's what the hell they're going, they're doing. And if you go clear back to the split where medicine was taken away from nutraceuticals and all that stuff back in the early part of the 20th century, we still don't have guidance on what is a nutritional supplement, what's a drug. The Controlled Substance Act is single molecule, as Jason reminds us a lot, but they have marijuana in there, which has got hundreds of molecules in it. This is all nonsensical from a science standpoint. So it's easy to poke holes in this in court, but it doesn't help a damn person out there trying to figure this out. You're, 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 you're very right. And, and Mark, to, to, to your point, I mean, I remember I was at a, uh, I was at a trade show in Florida and there was a bunch of, of tables that all had weed on them in jars just for display. And a friend of mine walked up to, uh, one of the, uh, Florida state troopers or law enforcement, whatever, uh, and asked him, can you tell the difference between weed and hemp? And they just laughed. And so, so therefore, they, they, you know, if, 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 if cops can't even tell the difference, I mean, the only person that's going to tell the difference is someone that actually consumes it and smokes it. And so it's, it's just. Or someone with an HPLC, right? That could make an injection and tell you this has got CBD, this has got THC. Yeah, but I mean, but who, I mean, who, who, car who carries an HPLC around with them, Dr. Mark? <laughs> well, now they actually, they actually have those, those, um, those, uh, uh, orange little uh, uh, analyzers that you can take out into the field and they don't cost as much as an HPLC. So they do have a portable analyzer that doesn't really give you ballpark results. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't give you accurate results. It gives you, gives you estimate. And, and, and when we have numbers that are as small as 0.3 and whatnot, you need something right. that is much more analytical in order to really tell. That's correct. That's correct. That's just yeah. the reality. I'm, I'm going to calibrate it in the field. Exactly. I'm with Dr. Mark. I think they got duped, and I like it. I love it. <laughs> I heard. I heard. I heard that some of those people they calibrate their shit with booth, so then that way they always get a low rating. But nonetheless, they're using your weed, Jason? No, they're using that outdoor <laughs> weed. They got your eyes all red in that video, Gretchen. Uh -huh. But we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. 
relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience. King Lemontrius engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed cannabis product nutrition Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. That's what YouTube loves, and so we would love it if you would hit that as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't subscribed already, and you can read every single article on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. You have another commercial, Adam? All right. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. We have Miss Mandy Tingler. She is a mom. She's an edibles, uh, Emerald Cup edibles judge along with being the notorious Miss Carmen Sacramento. That's right. It is none other than the Miss Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. Uh, today, my article comes direct to us from BBC News. The headline reads, Parents feel misled by ministers over medical cannabis pledge. High-profile government climb down that legalized a type of cannabis medicine on the NHS five years ago, misled patients, campaigners say. It was thought the law change would mean the unlicensed drug, which treats a range of conditions, could be freely prescribed by a specialist or doctors. <clears throat> but fewer than five NHS patients have been given the medicine, leaving others to either pay privately or miss out. The government says safety needs to be proven before a wider rollout. Legislation of whole cannabis medicine was hailed as a breakthrough for patients, giving neither NHS or private specialist doctors the option to prescribe it if they believed their patients would benefit. Medical whole cannabis uses the entire cannabis plant, which includes the compound THC, the article says. But patients are being turned away, say campaigners, because doctors often do not know about the medicine, which is not on NHS trust approved list. Some specialists who do know about it say they are, there is insufficient evidence of the drug's safety and benefits to support prescribing. The drug would need to undergo medical trials before it could be officially licensed. These are costly and, of course, complicated because of many com chemical com compounds within the cannabis plant. Campaigners say trials of medicines containing whole plant cannabis, particularly with the aim of helping children, would be unethical as some patients would have to come off essential medic medication to take a placebo. Five years after medical cannabis was legalized, why is it still so hard to get a prescription? 
BBC has been told that when specialist, specialist doctors do want to prescribe the unlicensed products, there is no simple way to get funding. You have to ask NHS England to make an exception to pay for individual cases, but they are almost always turned down. It's known that fewer than five have been approved, of course. These licensed cannabis drugs do exist for specific conditions, but they do not use the whole plant. For example, one called Epidiolex, which we've talked about here on the show a few times, contains other cannabis compound CBD. It can be prescribed for epilepsy, but does not benefit patients across the spectrum of all epilepsy disorders. The first patient that received an NHS prescription for medical cannabis was 11-year-old Alfie Dingley, who had severe epilepsy. His mother, Hannah, uh, successfully spearheaded a high-profile campaign, which was led in 2018 to change legislation. Before then, Alfie traveled all the way to the Netherlands, where whole plant cannabis oil was legal under the prescription for medical purposes. Uh, following Hannah's campaign, Alfie's general practitioner was granted a license to prescribe it under direction by a specialist doctor and a, pro a process called a shared care agreement. Alfie's mother believes the treatment has been life-changing and he has not had a seizure for three years. He gets 13 bottles of Betterlite on an NHS prescription each month. The cost would other be, otherwise be 225 pounds per bottle. Hannah says that back in 2018, she felt like she had changed history, opening up the treatment to people with a wide range of debilitating conditions, including chronic pain, insomnia, and neurological conditions like Tourette's. But now she feels she only got the drug on the NHS because she made a huge fuss in the media. She says, I think they changed the law to take the wind out of my sails because the campaign was very effective, she said. Dr. David McCormick says ministers shifted the heat to practitioners like him. Senior pediatric consult as a senior pediatric consultant from King's College Hospital in London, he says it was disingenuous of the government to suggest in 2018 that NHS prescribing was ready to take place. <clears throat> His parents were clamoring at our door or phoning all the time as they believed they were able to be prescribed this medication and that was not the case. The message went out, doctors can now prescribe cannabis products and that put us all in a difficult position because the truth is we need to apply for that to be approved by NHS England. Pre-2018, the only way patients could get a hold of cannabis products and use them medicinally was to buy them illegally in the UK or to travel abroad to get them. Now, if the NHS will not pay, which obviously they aren't for most, um, patients are expected to legally pay for private prescriptions from specialist clinics. There are now 31 private prescribing centers across the UK. These clinics issued more than 140,000 prescriptions between November 2018 and 2022. It's estimated that these medical, the medical cannabis market in this area will be worth more than a billion by just next year. The story goes on to talk about a multiple different cases. Um, there's a 13-year-old boy named Jasper who was having 800 seizures a day, and the NHS still did not apply or did not uh, agree to pay for his coverage. There's another little girl whose mom actually was a social worker, um, and she's having multiple seizures a day. They will not pay for her coverage as well. So I want to put this out to all of you. 
an organizational body says that they go ahead and they approve this medication, but they don't clearly designate a pathway for the customer base. Is that really legalizing? And um, I'm going to turn this on over to all my fellow correspondents and, of course, the members of our audience to uh, chime in and, and let's talk this over a little bit. It's Carmen Sacramento coming at you from High Nine. This is bureaucracy. This yeah. is Symbolic the problem. legalization when you have access when you have it passed, but you have no access. Mm -hmm. It's like DC, Gretchen, right? Sounds like the FDA to me, but whatever. Yeah. Well, but that if we go back to when they split off in our country with these drugs, uh, the Europe followed a lot of the same examples. They want to do all this experimentation with a new single molecule, and. You know, if, Mark, you may understand this. If you go back to Dr. O'Shaughnessy, who went to India and studied Ayurvedic medicine, they were using the hell out of cannabis and have been using it for thousands of years. And we can take those examples and bring them forward and find it still works because humans haven't evolved away from cannabis being effective. Uh, the problem is we keep dealing with bureaucrats that want to pass this along and not make the hard decisions. And I don't know how we fix that. Because we're in a, uh, a same or similar fight in this country, you know, fighting over every little part of it. And somebody with a sick kid, you go, fuck this. I'm going to go find some medicine and treat my kid. Okay? I've dealt with that a lot and been to court trying to protect them from having kids taken away and things like that. But this is just a further bureaucratic, bureaucratic foot dragging when all the evidence we have, there's never been a cancer caused by smoking weed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Taskin's study at UCLA proved that, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Apoptosis does not allow, does not lead to all the other lung problems we seem to have, the cancers, things like that. There's a lot of evidence that's out there, and it's not a teratogen. There's no evidence that's ever caused a kid to be born with, you know, little flippers on their shoulder or shit like that. So it's all scare tactics. It's nonsense. And how do you break through it when the bureaucracies have all the power? And we've run to court so many times to get a bureaucracy to do something. They go, okay, I passed it along, signed it off. Now you get in the next line for the next fucking bureaucracy that never gets shit done. In the meantime, you get a kid flipping on the floor 20 times a day and you got to find a way to fix them. Yep. Exactly right. It's a cry and shame. And I, th I think this mother has uh, every reason to feel that, that she got the short end of the stick 100% because she did, without yeah. a doubt. It's funny how you get, like, these drug warriors that want it both ways, right? Like, they say, oh, like, we, if something is beneficial for a child and it'll help a child, oh, they're going to block it to not be able to, to ha let the child benefit. But then they say, oh, well, if you allow access or legalization, then, um, you know, all the kids, the, the marijuana boogeyman's coming for all your kids. It's yeah. like, you can't have it both ways. Either it, it, it's good or it's not. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. Exactly. Every drug has side effects, okay? Yeah. The side effects from this are not uh, the side effects from opioids or from, uh, I mean, cocaine's still legal. They grandfathered cocaine and morphine into the controlled subsect. Marijuana, we're jumping through all these goddamn ridiculous hoops. It's just very frustrating. As I dealt with a wife who had cancer, and fuck it, if she's barfing her guts out, I'm and we gave her antiemetics, didn't work. She's smoking all the weed I get my hands on. That's what you face when you've got a, a life-threatening situation with a loved one. I don't give a shit about these bureaucracies. If it works, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And you just you can't. Take that out of a, a family member who's concerned about a, uh, one of their, their family members that's sick, maybe dying, and fuck all these stupid rules. 
Yeah. Going to fix Absolutely. it. Exactly. Exactly, Dale. It would be really that. interesting for me. Like, I, I try to think about if my children had condition like epilepsy and like what I would do if I couldn't access the medication that they needed legally, like how would I constantly put that back in the face of the decision makers who affect that? And um, I just really feel for these parents. And you guys know, whenever I get a chance to cover an article about families, um, this is it. And this is a really big issue. It's, it's, it's the center fold of like where the medical cannabis movement really started becoming um, important for parents, right? And really being outspoken. And it's really shitty that an entire nation would, would create a paradigm like this and then mm-hmm. just go out of their way to ignore the situation. But I guess that's um, the truth for cannabis all over the world. Very, very much so. We got to, we got to, we got to keep this moving. We got to, we, we got to, we got to roll right in to Mister. I hope I don't mess this up, Mister Doctor Mark Scaldone. Did I say it correctly? Oh, Scaldone. Scaldone. All right, I'm. Scaldone. I'm gonna have to. I'm I'm, going to keep working on it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get this last name right eventually. I can, I can promise you that. But nonetheless, he's a scientist, and he's here to break it all down for you and tell you a whole bunch of all of your favorite cannabis compounds. That's right. It is Dr. Mark Scaldone. Well, thank you, Jason. So my story comes from Cannabis Business Times. A uh, federal judge blocks Arkansas Delta-8 THC ban. The ruling stems from a lawsuit filed by four businesses claiming the law violates the U.S. Constitution. This was published on September 11th by Melissa Schiller in the Cannabis Business Times. So a federal judge has blocked Arkansas's ban on Delta-8 f- five months after Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed legislation into law to reclassify some hemp-derived psychoactive cannabinoids as Schedule Four substances in the state. Act 629 passed during Arkansas's 2023 legislative session and hemp-derived Delta-8, Delta-9, Delta-6A, Delta-10, Delta-10A THC in the state, with sponsors arguing that Delta-8 in particular was being marketed to children and sold at convenience stores where clerks did not verify customers' ID. The new law took effect August 1st, but has been placed on hold following the September 7th court ruling. U.S. District Judge Billy Roy Wilson's ruling last week stems from a lawsuit filed by four cannabis-related businesses claiming that the law violates the U.S. Constitution's Commerce and Supremacy Clauses, according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Plaintiffs, Biogen LLC, Drippers Vape Shop LLC, the Cigarette Store, uh, uh, doing businesses as Smoker Friendly and Sky Marketing Corporation are hemp product marketers located in Arkansas, Colorado, and Texas filed the lawsuit on July 31st in federal court in Arkansas, news outlet reported. 
The businesses asked the court for a temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction to block the enforcement of the law while the case moves through the legal process. Huckabee Sanders, Attorney General Tim Griffin, directors of the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration, the Tobacco Control Board, State Department of Agriculture, and the State Plant Board, and 28 prosecuting attorneys in the state were all named as defendants in the lawsuit, according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. At an August 23rd hearing, Wilson denied the state's motions to dismiss the lawsuit and to grant Huckabee Sanders and Griffin immunity from it, according to the news outlet. Uh, Abbott, I'm not going to say his last name, and Allison Scott, the attorneys representing the plaintiffs, argued at the hearing that the law put their clients in legal and financial jeopardy over the production and sales of products they claim are federally legal under the 2018 Farm Bill. Jordan Broyles, representing the state's attorney's office, argued that nothing in the federal law prohibits from passing more restrictive laws. Wilson said in a provision in Arkansas's law restricts the transportation of hemp-derived cannabinoids through the state and does indeed violate federal law. Wilson wrote in his ruling that the plaintiffs have a good chance of getting the law overturned as void for vagueness, <laughs> the news outlet reported. He indicated that the plaintiffs also had a good chance of irreparable harm through criminal sanctions uh, should the law be upheld. Wilson noted in his ruling that the potential harm to defendants is negligible, according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. In his issuing his ruling, Wilson granted a preliminary injunction to block the state's enforcement of the law, while Griffin indicated he would continue to work to implement it, the news outlet reported. So that's it. So that's the shit show that's happening in Arkansas. Um, it looks like, again, there's people sort of on both sides of the issue. Uh, and it's interesting that... Um, he makes reference in the article to just transporting these things uh, through um, federal highways in Arkansas. Well, a couple of these producers are in Texas and California and Colorado, so they have to be transported over state lines, which I think is highly illegal too as well. So that's my story. Interested in any of your thoughts? Yeah, but I don't see it as highly illegal if it's a hemp product that is legal by the 2018 Farm Bill. I think these guys have an argument. Well, kind of yeah, the, the, the issue there, uh, Gretchen, is that if you dig into the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act, Delta 8 THC is mentioned by name under Code 7370, which was in enforcement when the, gover when the 2018 Farm Bill was passed. So uh, whether it came from cannabis or it came from hemp, Delta-8 has no molecular memory. So um, it's a Schedule One substance. And I think the most recent language from who's at the uh, DEA is that anything that's been chemically converted is Schedule One. Ooh, well, that's Martin, a new the twist. The problem still goes back to these early uh, lines they drew about what is hemp and what's 
cannabis or marijuana, and they use the, the term Delta 9 THC. And, you know, you've an organic chemistry sense. Um, that's a specific molecule. Now, it's got, a, it's got an acid to it before it's decarboxylate, all that kind of stuff happens. But they put into these isomer and analog um, rules that if it's delta-9 or an isomer analog, things like that. But then you start having the hemp um, law come out that said if it's less than 0.3, it's now hemp, which is not illegal, which creates massive confusion in this. And across the country, if something's legal federally, you can transport it on highways, okay? You can't block that from, I think that's a problem they have. They tried to keep it off the highways and they're not gonna allow that to happen. If we get down further in the weeds about whether they can specifically target Delta 8, Delta 10, Delta O, whatever we're gonna call it, where they take CBD and pressurize it and heat it up or, you know, to cold and change it like they do with opioids, now you're gonna have just nothing but a shit show. And I don't know that the government can't do that at the state level. But they're in Dale, federal court. Dale, let me play devil's advocate on this real quick with you. Um, so this is almost like the reverse argument of the state's rights issue that we use, right? This is, this is an instance where Arkansas is saying, yes, this is a federally passed bill, um, but we still are going with the supremacy clause and interstate commerce, and we're invoking that part of it. And we're saying basically that as a state, we get to decide that these substances can't be within our borders. Um, it's an interesting argument because I see both sides of it. I see the, the 2018 bill providing cover for the plaintiffs and the federal government. To I mean, you can't say something's legalized federally and then say it can't go on federal highways. That's that's a dead argument off the rip. However, I think the state's rights argument is interesting here. They will invoke the supremacy clause, but I think that you they have an interesting point there, uh, not to take Huckabee's side or anything like that, but I just, I can see both <laughs> angles on this. None uh, of those isomers occur in hemp. None of them. Delta-8 yeah. does not occur in hemp. Delta-10 does not occur. None of those isomers occur in hemp. The, the, the hemp and cannabis plant makes Delta-9 configured cannabinoids. And any minuscule amount of Delta-8 is an artifact of the HPLC sample of that plant material. So Delta-8 does not naturally occur in the plant, period. I mean, that's that's the misconception that's out there that needs to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Well, and the gap that attorneys found, quite frankly, was that they list Delta 9 THC or they allow THCA. Okay? Those are what are specifically stated in the federal level. Now the DEA is trying to expand it and whether they have the power to do that because the hemp law says if it comes from, from hemp and it's less than 0.9% Delta 9 THC, now it's hemp. So there's cracks in there. Okay. Yeah, but and- Dale, Dale, THCA is 87% THC. I, I get it. I get it. But Dr. Mark, when have not- they ever listened to science? The, the, <clears throat> I thought that's what Joe Biden was all about. What do you talk about? I thought that's what President yeah. Biden was all about. Listen to the science. Don't bring you know, me back. To, t- to tell you how uninformed Biden is, it, it wasn't until incorporated Bernie's planks into his campaign that he changed his position on cannabis because he was against cannabis, Mm -hmm. but he's for states' rights and he's for medical, but he wants to move this to Schedule 3? 
he's so uninformed that doesn't know that those things are not consistent with each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> he was at the Twin Towers the day after they fell. Guys, Meanwhile, Bo is, or I'm sorry, not Bo, uh, 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 Hunter is ripping rails in the, in the White House. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, man, well, on the presidential Nancy mirrors. Reagan was a child of an alcoholic family. And you know, Mark, when you go see a psychiatrist tell them, my parents were alcoholics, they put you into a category. Holy fuck, okay? So you got a kid who's a, who's a coke addict. And now you've got all sorts of emotional reactions about drugs that wouldn't exist if you were objective. So I get it. It's just mm-hmm. it's frustrating as hell. We 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 gotta we gotta ro- ro- roll right into right into Luke and get this get this last story in. We have Mr. Luke Scarmazzo joining us today, live and direct from that's right, none other than the living room. He did some time for a cannabis crime and used to run around the yard with Dale. Making everybody do jumping jack counts. That's right. It is none other than the Mr. Luke Scarmazzo. Yes, yes. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, Dale was running the burpee car, making everybody do burpees and Navy SEALs. It was, it was <laughs> everyone punching their chest. That's with, with that OG right there. Um, I put it with no shit either, right, Luke? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, but speaking of, uh, you know, jails and prohibition, Let's take you. I like taking you back to Prohibition as your number one Hyatt Nine outlaw correspondent. We're going to go all the way back to Prohibition yesterday. This one comes to you from Pennsylvania and the Reading Eagle. And the headline states State police seized 246 pounds of marijuana from an SUV in route two, on Route 222 in Berks. Little caveat hey, today is my 222nd day out of prison. Just some weird number correlation there. But anyway, the driver insisted. Now, we, I'm tying everybody into this story now. The driver insisted it was hemp. Was the material in the dozen garbage bags that was filled to the vehicle to the roof. And troopers said. The New York man faces drug trafficking charges after state police say they found 246 pounds of marijuana in a luxury SUV that he was driving on Route 222. Hassan T. Dagger, 23, of Astoria, Queens, was committed to Burke County Prison in lieu of a $100,000 bail and awaits a hearing following arraignment Friday night before Judge Alvin B. Robinson in Reading Central Court. Reading Central Court. State police charged Dagger with possession and intent, intending to deliver marijuana and vehicle code violations. According to probable cause affidavit, a trooper assigned to the state police drug police drug law enforcement division was in an unmarked vehicle monitoring the southbound traffic in Brecknock Township on Friday at about 10 a.m. when he saw a Porsche Cayenne with heavily tinted windows go by. The trooper pulled out and as he closed in on the SUV, he could see the interior was filled to the roof with garbage bags that would have blocked the driver's view at the side and rear windows. The SUV veered onto the white line several times while the trooper followed it. The trooper turned on his emergency lights and sirens as he approached the car on the passenger side to talk to Danger. He smelled a strong over of marijuana, and Danger explained he was transporting hemp in large garbage bags. A canine team specialized in narcotics detections was dispatched. The drug detection dog signaled the presence of marijuana in the vehicle. During the search, the troopers found 12 garbage bags containing 246 one-pound bags of suspected marijuana along with envelopes containing sticker labels of various flavors and THC products. THC is the psychoactive component of marijuana. 
Danger was taken into custody. One of these bags was one of these bags of suspected marijuana was transported to the state crime lab in Bethlehem for testing. The analysis showed the level of THC was above the 0. 0.3 threshold, so it was identified as marijuana. Um, man, new angle in the trap. Like, hey, like those pounds that are sitting there back in my trunk, that's hemp. What are you talking about? Like, I don't. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not funny. Some people are still going to jail behind this. Um, you know, obviously, hundred thousand dollar bail sitting in in a, in a jail. Um. Again, going to Dale's rule, don't break a multiple laws at one time. Well, technically, uh, technically, I don't. Like, technically, I think they're like above the windows, covering windows. Like you are going super hard right there in your brand new Porsche Cayenne. I feel like maybe you could have rented a truck or something. I don't know. I feel like as long as you have co signing off for Pilot Nine News, what do my correspondents think on this? I, I just feel as long as you don't have COAs in the car with it to match those bags, then you'd be totally fine, and and that's a legitimate, uh, legitimate uh, thing to tell law enforcement in regards to, because technically, <laughs> yeah. technically, and Doctor Mark, you can attest to this, is that the uh, canines for drug dogs they're they're trained to smell terpenes, and the same terpenes that are in hemp are in cannabis, and therefore, and the, under the Controlled Substances Act, it's all can't defined as cannabis sativa L. And technically, since none of the, that cannabis has been burned, uh, which would mean that none of it had been decar decarboxylated, therefore, technically, all that THC would be classified as THCA, making it legal under the Farm Bill. And the judge would say, get the, the fuck out of my courtroom. Hold on, hold on. What's that, what's that, what's that Mark? The one guy they nailed, there's 100 defense. or 200 getting through. And this is basically how product is getting to New York dispensaries. This guy was on his way to a New York dispensary. That's where that weed was going to be mm -hmm. less than a day. Because if you look at Reading, Pennsylvania, look at New York City, he was less than a day from where he was going to be. That stuff was going to be in a dispensary shelf. This is a momentary disruption of the trap supply chain that's feeding the New York market right now. That's all this is. Look at that drug mapping by Dr. Mark. Doctor Mark, do you, do, you, do you think that do you think that that, uh, that, that, that that's a realistic uh, legal defense? No, I, I didn't ask the lawyer. I'm asking Doctor Mark from a scientific perspective. Oh, okay. Te technically, te te technically, technically, <laughs> technically, it's all THCA if it hasn't been decarboxylated, right, Doctor Mark? Ah, uh, but we. I think what we can do is we can go back to our discussion from last Friday, where precedent set it by my friend Patrick Nightingale in Pittsburgh is that the smell of cannabis is not probable cause to search the vehicle and try to get out the 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 search is being illegal dale is there any traction on something like that that there would be okay because you had probable cause to stop for a traffic violation if you smell weed that's not probable cause to do a search of the vehicle i think they have some right. arguments there a dog alerting we had to remove all the dogs from California because if it's legal to have weed in your car and they alert in your car, all the searches get thrown out. Mm -hmm. So there's traction for that. Uh, but he's sitting in jail under a hundred thousand dollars bond. And we all know what he was doing. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But it's to get into a court and get them to dismiss this or, or to, to knock these charges down. If I think I'd attack the search of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. I don't think they had a probable cause to do the search, but he'll be doing that from jail, paying for the what, lawyer. What about, um, Dale, what about plain sight uh, clause? If it's in a bag, how do you know what's in it? That's true. That's true. 
I mean, how do you know See, it's that, not? How do you know it's not hemp? You don't tell it's tested. Exactly, exactly, because it all looks the same. It all looks and smells the same too, for that matter, because it's all the same terps. Anyone else got anything else before we wrap this up? All right. Just remember my rule: only break, don't break more than one law at a time. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't break one law at a time. I'm with you. I'm with you, Dale. I'm with you on that. I've always tried to operate on that. Well, anyways, thank you all for joining us and getting high with nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to our audience and every supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the cannabis <laughs> news industry. Huge thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to everyone participating in the show today. And thank you all for tuning in regularly and getting high at nine with us. It is America's number one daily cannabis news show.